Come join us around the campfire out here at our secluded research cabin out in Bizarro Forest for the first updated, new and improved episode of Bite Size Bizarities. Unfortunately, Jenny couldn't join us around the campfire tonight, but she'll be out next time. But before we can get into it today, uh, a little bit shorter than the normal show because, you know, we're out here and we just want to get into the stories because we're sitting around the campfire, we're having a good time. So we'll do the quick front of house stuff before we get rolling here. Uh, if you guys don't mind reviewing the show, it's always appreciated. Five stars, if at all possible. Uh, sharing with friends, always a great way to uh, help get the show out. Um, if you guys aren't following us on social media, definitely go and uh, hop in over there, have some awesome conversations with us, get updates on the show, and get updates on, of course, Bite Size Bizarreties. Uh, you can also hop into the Telegram or Discord if you want to have some awesome conversations with some awesome people. Uh, if you guys want to get early access to things, um, also probably at some point, maybe some live videos for things, uh, you guys can come and check out the Open Minds Media Patreon. Uh, if you guys want to get some awesome merch, including some Bite Size Bizarrity merch, come and check out our Open Minds Media merch store. And uh, every link that I've mentioned today, all available under the link tree. I'm not going to sit here and spit it all out for you guys, so just go down to the show description and check it out. As most of you out there know, there's Bigfoot and Sasquatch legends from all around the world. And today, we're going to talk about one from Japan. This is the Beast of Bandai. It seems as though the poor rural villagers of Japan have had more than its imperished kappa to contend over the ages. As there is a decidingly more fearsome beast out there that is said to have haunted a secluded community on the side of Mount Bandai, an active stratovolcano located in the Tohoku area of Fukushima Prefecture, Japan. The mountain is most notable for its eruption in 1888, which killed 477 people, left thousands more homeless, and remains of the worst volcanic disaster in recent Japan history. Long before this tragedy, in the late 1700s, a lesser known but nevertheless frightening incident occurred when a small village at the foot of Mount Bandai was besieged by a mysterious and deadly creature that suddenly, inexplicably, appeared at their doorstep to wreak havoc. The incident began when villagers started reporting sightings of a strange creature lurking in the wilderness along the fringes of town. The creature was said to look like a large primate of some sort, with a huge mouth, claws, and spiky fur running down its back. It was most often fleetingly glimpsed in the evening or twilight hours, and its eyes were said to glow or reflect light like a cat's. The beast was said to furtively stalk around the edges of town and seemed to shun light. Villagers described how the thing would sit in pools of shadow just outside of the radius of a light source and glow from the darkness with its flickering, shining eyes. Despite its menacing appearance, at first the creature was easily frightened and would dart away into the underbrush from sudden light, shouting, or loud noise. But it became increasingly bolder and more frequently spotted as the days went by. The strange creature was not only seen, but also heard. Loud, guttural, and clearly inhuman shrieks and howls were often heard at night, emanating from somewhere on the dark mountain looming above. At times, this eerie nighttime howling would last throughout the night, keeping the villagers awake in the grips of terror. 
the unnatural shrieks, howls, and sightings of such a sinister creature would have likely been enough to instill fear within such a small village and remote rural community. But this was to be just the beginning of the villagers' nightmares. The creature became even bolder and more aggressive as the days went by, where at first it would retreat from noise or light. It started to display more menacing behavior, such as growling at eyewitnesses. Villagers also reported being followed by the thing, which made less and less effort to conceal itself as it stalked them among the darkened paths. The village placed guards with torches around the outskirts of town in an effort to drive away the creature, or at least discourage it from coming near. But it was not to be intimidated. The plan did nothing to dissuade it, and perhaps even angered it. Several night watchmen described being rushed from the darkness by the creature and retreating from their positions in terror. At around this time, animals such as pets and livestock were reported to have disappeared without a trace. One farmer was said to have had every single one of his chickens disappear in a single night, with only some scattered feathers left behind. The animal disappearances continued at an increasing rate, and it did not take long for villagers to connect their vanishings with the odd visitor lurking in the woods. It was a realization that was confirmed when a farmer claimed to have spotted the mysterious creature killing a dog in the field. According to the man's account, the thing had already slain the animal and was in the process of disemboweling it when it was spotted and subsequently dragged its mutilated prey into the trees. People became wary of traveling outside during twilight hours or at night. Yet even staying in their homes was no guarantee of peace. The creature was often reported circling homes, and its deep, gruff breathing was frequently heard right outside of dwellings. Occasionally it would rap, scratch at, or even pound on doors, windows, and walls. Almost as if it was testing the structure for ways to enter as the terrified occupants cowered in their homes. It was also not uncommon for people to hear the thumping of its heavy footsteps across their roofs. One particularly harrowing account comes from a family of farmers on the very outskirts of town who had their home actively attacked by the rampaging beast. In this case, the creature was said to have charged the front doors full force while roaring in rage, and the doors rattled in their frames, threatening to cave in. The furious monster also was reported as hurling large stones at the dwelling. When it failed to gain entry, the beast slunk back off into the woods, leaving the house badly damaged and the petrified occupants, no doubt, scared for their lives. This still would not be the extent of the bizarre occurrences unfolding around the village. As time went on, several children disappeared, with some reportedly taken directly from their own homes. The creature was even reportedly seen kidnapping children and dragging them screaming into the night as helpless villagers looked on in horror. Attacks on adults began to occur as well, and although the creature was not successful in killing any of them, some villagers were bitten, mauled, or at the very least left badly shaken. One village man described how the creature came so close to him during an attack that he could smell its breath, which was described as smelling of rotten eggs and fish. He was only able to escape after allegedly poking the thing in its eyes. It was at this time that the villagers took more decisive action and hired a well-known hunter to track and kill the beast that was terrorizing them. The hunter bravely trekked out into the surrounding wilderness in an effort to both kill the thing and draw it away from the village. During the hunt, the hunter described how the creature stalked him and circled his camp menacingly on several occasions. After a few days of tracking the creature, the hunter allegedly finally managed to shoot and kill it 
1782, after it tried to rush from the forest and attack him. It was reported to be so fierce that the bullet did not bring it down, and the hunter had to resort to repeatedly stabbing the thrashing beast with a knife to kill it. The hunter then dragged the body back to the village to display to the shocked villagers. The carcass was reportedly a somewhat ape-like creature that was about 4 foot 11 inches tall, covered in hair, and with a large mouth filled with fangs that was so oversized that it was described as being as if the head was split from ear to ear. Along its back were spines reminisce of those of a porcupine. The creature also had a long, sharp nose and short limbs with webbed hands that ended in wicked claws. The carcass was reported to exude an extremely rank and overpowering odor, which unfortunately led to the body being discarded not long after. With the death of this baffling monster, the sightings, attacks, kidnappings, and animal disappearances all ceased. This case has always fascinated me and remains one of the weirder ones I have come across. What is going on here? The creature matches no description of any Japanese cryptids that I know of or have seen before or since these events. With the descriptions from eyewitness accounts, as well as those given by the hunter, and indeed a body allegedly provided, there seems to be little chance that it was a more mundane animal that was simply misidentified. There is nothing living in the Japanese wilderness anywhere close to what this thing is said to look like. In addition, the sightings and disappearances started abruptly, with no apparent prior history of such a creature ever being seen on the mountain, and ended just as abruptly with its reported death, suggesting just a single creature at work. Whatever it was also seemed to have targeted just one village, and to top it off, nothing like it has been reported from the area since. The case remains a complete head-scratching mystery. Unfortunately, considering that these events unfolded way back in the late 1700s, and that the alleged carcass of the creature was not preserved or examined by any sort of scientist, it seems that the mysterious beast of Bandai will forever remain an enigma. Man, I don't know about you, but as far as the smell goes, it seemed very, uh, very skunk ape-like. So that kind of goes into the whole idea, at least for me, about the multiple different variations of Sasquatch or Sasquatch-like creatures, and assumably also because of the land and they would adapt into whatever they need to be, this thing would have webbed hands to be able to swim because its main diet probably consisted of fish, and that's where its, or its whole smell of fish and of this typical skunky, gross, musty odor seems to kind of collab there, but that's, that's kind of my opinion on it. What about you, man? Well, I think it kind of sounds like reports of a chupacabra. We talk about fur sticking up on its back, eating livestock, pets, and goats. I don't know. It has... Even the spines? Eyes. It has a strong odor. All the hallmarks of a lot of cryptids we talk about. It, that almost makes you wonder, too. It's like, it's very Sasquatch-esque, but it's also very chupacabra-esque, as you were saying. And as you were saying that, I was thinking about the uh, porcupine-like quills down its back. It almost seems like uh, there could be a theoretical hybrid of some sort, or maybe because the Chupacabra sighting started way later, maybe it was somehow an offshoot of something that came from this. Well, and there's a lot of similarities between Bigfoot reports as well. There's the wrapping on doors and windows, there's uh, creatures on roofs, there's the throwing stones, so maybe you're onto something and uh, this is just an offshoot of like a skunk ape or a smaller Sasquatch type creature. 
mixed with a chupacabra type thing. But maybe so. Who knows? <laughs> definitely a fascinating story, though, man. Especially considering that uh, I don't know. It's just it's different. So I figured it would be a good one to cover because it was it was almost a hard one to find. Like there's only so many reports on this story too, and it seems that a lot of them are you know in Japanese. So it was really hard to find a lot of stuff in English when it came to this one. <laughs> And it happened so long ago, so who knows what these people actually saw. So this one is definitely a mystery and one that I'm glad you dug up and one that I'm excited that we talked about. Join us next time around the campfire out here at our awesome secluded research cabin for another bite-sized bizarrity. If there's any bizarreties that you guys want us to discuss around the campfire, don't be afraid to reach out to us on social media or shoot us an email. That about does it for us tonight. Might as well try to get in uh, one more Squatch hike for the night. So we're going to get out of here. Catch you on the next one, guys.